Hello and welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Renovators, the business advisory show for real estate professionals. I'm Chanel, this is Rex. How are you Chanel? I'm good. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit tired now. Um, I don't know if our, our, our viewers know, but we actually film about 10 episodes in a day. It's we, not 10. Well, it feels like 10. Um, and we just had a break for lunch and I have overdosed on the beautiful Japanese. What did we get? Japanese. <laughs> Vietnamese. I think it was more than alcohol than anything else. Um, and I have had two champagne today. So I'm at that stage of the day where I'm like feeling and full, online. but also feeling rather. It feels like after Christmas lunch, you're full and you're festive, but there's not much left in the tank. Well, we've got more. <laughs> How are you, Rexy? I'm well. I'm not as bad as you. I'm, I'm excited about today's episode. Well, the next episode, now the episode. Um, a lot of people may or may not know our next guest. Uh, he's one of the best mortgage brokers in Australia, with his company being mm-hmm. one of the largest in Australia as well. And mm-hmm. I thought it'd be great to get Nick to come on, Nick Riley um, from Innovate, to come on board to, to come on the show to talk about how mortgage brokers and real estate agents should really work together. And I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of our real estate agents, a lot of clients I see, don't have a mortgage broking arm. So mm-hmm. I thought we can delve into the benefits of having this partnership. So Nick, good. welcome aboard. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Excited to be here. Oh, excellent. Especially when I saw all the champagne glasses. Nah. Like, how, good, how good is this? That was all her. Come She's in the right place. <laughs> Lipstick on all of them too. <laughs> um, tell us about yourself, Nick. Uh, yeah, so we're a financial services business. So traditionally we were a mortgage broking business and have um, branched out into financial planning. Uh, we have 40, 40 staff across the country, um, predominantly working with real estate agents as far as mortgages go. Um, we've always uh, seen our business as a really good partner for, for real estate agents. We do a few things that, um, that make sure we are a good partner. So you know, I want to delve into that because I, we, I work for a lot of real estate agents mm. as well. And I feel like a lot of them don't understand the benefits of a partnership with a, with a yeah. Um So can you talk to us, not from a financial point of view, but from a yeah. client contact point of view as well? Yeah. And I think traditionally it's been all about the financial point of view and, mm. and that is a problem. But the reality is uh, a good finance relationship should help the real estate agent sell more property. And there's, there's far more money in a property commission than there is in a finance commission. So, so for us, it's always about how do we help your process, whether that's with a, with a, a vendor or a purchaser. Um, and it's, it's not, it's, it's not the, um, 30 access to 30 lenders, you know, making sure your purchaser can get the max loan amount. For me, it's more about, um, making sure the purchaser, um, is qualified and making sure that, um, they are taking an offer to a vendor that is a real offer. It's about um, assisting the listing and process. And just stopping on that, like yep. if a vendor, if an agent knows that the purchase qualified, that mm. would add so much more value to them. And I think that's where it's missing, where they don't realise working yeah. closely with someone, they might get this information. Particularly in the current environment, because it is not as easy as it was to get money. Um, interest rates moving around means people's serviceability changes. So. One of the problems at the moment is a pre-approval now uh, might not be a pre-approval if we get a rate rise. So, you know, understanding the purchaser's position, um, you know, vendors are nervous at the moment. So having a, a qualified buyer uh, and a contract that's um, that's secure is huge for a real estate agent. Mm. And the yeah. other ways you help it? Uh, vendors, um, particularly in the Melbourne market where auction is, um, you know, most of the sales and most agents don't think about this, but um, if you have a, a vendor that wants to list a property, they generally want to upgrade in most cases, and they've generally found that property before they go to the real estate agent. Um, so we actually become part of the listing process. So 
uh, if vendor um, A needs to buy property B, can they do that if their house sells for say 900,000 or a million? Um, or what if the house didn't sell for that and sold for 800,000, would they still be able to transact on that next property? Mm. So with the agents we work well with, we actually become part of the listing process, gives the vendor comfort that they can take on the next transaction. So we, you know, uh, makes the, the listing easier for the agent. Uh, most agents don't think about that. They think about the they purchaser. They really don't, yeah. But you look at where their money is really driven from, it's from listing and getting vendors on. Well, they don't think what the vendor is going to be doing necessarily with the money. Correctly. An extra yep. person in the room. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So when we talk to agents about that, they sort of get that aha moment. They go, oh, that, that makes sense. And the agents that do get it um, were involved in a lot of the uh, listing um, well, a lot of the listings. Mm. Well, I actually mm. just had that aha moment right then because yeah. I was like, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Why do you think a lot of agents aren't partnering with mortgage brokers? Like where, where's the disconnect there? Um, where, I think it's an education piece. And as I said at the start, traditionally it's been about money and the mortgage broker, real estate, it's how much money will you pay us? What percentage of the commission will you pay us? So I think a lot of the times... Um, maybe the experience isn't that great, so they don't see the value. For us, we we know we've got a real estate agent once we do their own personal stuff, and that generally comes pretty quickly. So once you look after a real estate agent personally, straight away you start to get all their clients. So I think it's an education piece. Um, maybe they don't get the experience um, that they were expecting. I think it's the brokers as well. A lot of brokers, you know, smaller brokers don't yeah. have that experience to be thinking even yeah. from a broker. They don't have that aha moment. Yeah. Um, or, and the agents don't. So. Yeah. And, and you need a solution. Our business is a finance solution. And look, it's no secret that a lot of real estate groups try to do finance in themselves over the last 10, 15 years. Um, they see their wealth in it. They, they did. Uh, they don't so or much the connection anymore. as well. Well, the connection is huge, yeah. and I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, I think as it got harder, real estate agents or groups worked out, well, this is hard, and a lot of them have moved away from finance. So for us, we come at it um, with a whole solution. So it's not just about um, purchases and getting purchases, finances approved. It's about um, communication back to the real estate agents. Um, remuneration is in there. And for a lot of real estate groups... Um, it's about remunerating their staff. How can we help them uh, remunerate property uh, property managers, not just real estate agents? How do you remunerate property managers? Um, same. Well, there's obviously there's a commission rebate, but again, talking about um, clients outside of purchases, like landlords and tenants, for example. There's a big problem with landlords at the moment. If they've got two or three properties, they're holding a lot of debt. Uh, the interest rate rises. Most of them have had double. Um, will have if they're paying interest only, their repayments have doubled. Mm. Um, so they're under stress. And who's dealing with that? It's generally the property managers because they have mm. the conversation. So, you know, what are you doing as a real estate group to to offer your 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 landlords a solution around finance and making sure they're on the best, not just rate but best terms possible? And that builds that relationship. It hundred percent finishes it. And they need to keep those landlords because that generally provides a sale for, for the real estate agent at some stage. So the groups that we work really well with, um, we do get finance referrals from the property managers um, and uh, the real estate principal. For them, that's a way to, to give their property managers bonuses when mm. maybe you know, they were capped at 70K a year or whatever the, um, whatever the, the income might be. She keeps so. pushing them up. So yeah, it's just finding a whole solution, not just, hey, send us your purchases when they can't get finance. It's how do we actually add value, not just to your, well, to all of your stakeholders, not just your clients, but also your 
um, your employees as well. Mm. What's happening mm. on the market right now, Nick? Obviously, like you touched yep. on rising interest rates, a lot of pressure on, on your, your average yep. landlord, yeah. um, purchaser. Yeah. Talk us through what, 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 what is the market doing um, right now? So some trends that we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of pre-approvals. So uh, strange as it sounds, a lot of people want to get into the market. And I think it's the uh, the media and the RBA is now suggesting that the rates have nearly peaked. We didn't expect to get the recent rate rise that we mm. did. Um, but now that people know the rates are close to peaking, they're confident that, okay, that's going to be my repayment. I can factor that into my budget and I know that's where it's going to end. I think what's happened in the last two years is people haven't known where that ceiling is. Yeah. So we're seeing a lot of people want to get into the market and are getting ready. Uh, I think 30% of our lodgements last year to the ba- uh, last month to the bank were pre-approvals. So um, we're finding most dual income families have still got serviceability. They're still eating out. They're still going <laughs> yeah. on holidays. So they've got levers to pull to, to make mortgage payments. So a lot of people want to get into the market now that they think that the rates are peaked. We're seeing that. And prices seem to be going up still too. Well, yeah. As There's soon as the RBA pulls the rates, the prices start to go up. Do you think up, it's so. a good time to buy? Would you advise that it's a good time to buy if someone asked you that question? Uh, definitely. If yeah. it's time for you. Um, and this, this might sound cliche, but you cannot pick the bottom of the market. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think, is it right for you? Well, that depends on your own budget and your own cash flow. So if you're ready to make a decision to buy and that repayment fits into your budget and you've built in a little bit of stress on that payment, another one or two rises, then if it's the right decision and the right time, then, then do it. That should be a long-term plan. I don't think anyone should be buying property for short-term investment. Well, no, if you look at what the market does over time. If you hold it for 10 years, you pretty much can't lose unless Supply you buy the wrong demand. asset. You know? There's not many builds going up anymore yep. mm. and demand's always going to be there and going higher. Yeah. Um, other trend is obviously, um, you know, the, the mortgage cliff that's coming or the fixed rate cliff. Uh, we haven't seen that yet, but it's coming. We're getting phone calls from clients that are what close is this to their cliff? Because uh, you hear different stories about being April, being mm. May, being June. Mm. It keeps getting pushed back, this cliff. It's mid-year. What is this cliff? Can we uh, can I ask? What are we talking um, about? Well, when fixed rates are going to end and it yeah, goes to variable, variable, that's what it is? Yeah, okay. so during COVID, you know, people were fixing in at you know, 1.9 or 2.1. Yeah. So if they're coming out of that repayment now, they're going into an interest rate of sort of 5.5 and the repayment won't double because a chunk of their repayment was principal, mm-hmm. but it's a significant difference. So um, people are starting to ring, you know, even if their uh, fixed rate finishes in November, they're, they're calling and, and they're getting ready, which is great because we which need people good. to be doing that to get prepared. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing a lot of that and the pressure on landlords. Um, we're seeing landlords with two or three properties under severe pressure and there's media around the, in, the rent increases, but you might have had a $20 a week or a $30 a week increase um, in your rent income. That does nothing to double, you know, to offset the double uh, the, the double interest. Yeah. And the other thing is compliance, you know, smoke detectors, all these things mm. that landlords are paying for now. Mm. So a lot of pressure on landlords and um, a lot of them have made money over the last 10 years, so they're exiting. Um, that's probably the other thing we're seeing a lot. As in getting out of the market or? Getting out of the market. Yeah, so do you predict that in the next couple of months when this cliff occurs, the, the, the real estate market's going to go wild because there's going to be so many properties for sale? And then oh. obviously that will sort of even up what's happening in the in an inflated market or am I a little bit naive in saying that? No, no, you're not naive because it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't see it happening. Uh, based on the level of inquiry that we have, um, I think immigration is another thing. We've got a lot of skilled labour coming in. 
Um, is that, can I ask Nick, is that mm. due to China have now made it that you cannot do university by cor- correspondence? So in order to get an Australian degree, yeah. you have to now, if you are from China, you have to study in Australia. So that's why we're seeing drones um, of Chinese immigrants coming forward to Australia. I think you're talking about more skilled migrants. They've opened yeah. up the floodgates when during COVID yeah. there was... There was no migration. Yeah. So yeah, now okay. they're getting yeah. every Just in profession. Yeah. Um, the labour shortage is now being filled up. Labour mm. shortage wages. Okay. They need skilled, skilled workers behind on infrastructure projects. So um, so they've opened the flood floodgates basically to let people And they in. all need a place to live. They all need a place to live. Rental crisis and, and property price. Yeah. And people that come to our country, they want to own property. Mm. And they generally make that their number one focus. Um, couple that with what's obviously happening in the building industry. Um, a lot of development projects don't make sense. Big land subdivisions are not really selling. So there's going to be an undersupply of property and it's going to come really quick. Um, so I don't see the, the, the values being impacted at all. No. Interesting. Mm. And we talk a lot, Nick, I mean, about where like average salary now in mm. comparison to average property price mm. makes it almost impossible for someone young coming into the market that's seeking mm. to buy a property mm. with your pre-approval process like realistically mm. if you're on average Australian income is it mm. possible to buy a home now I think it is I think it is and I think um, there's uh, not to sound I don't want to make this come out the wrong way I don't want this to come out the wrong way but I think there's a bigger gap between the haves and the have-nots and um I suggest to have now being anyone who's got a dual income family, and I mentioned that before. Mm. Like most trades now are end earning six figures plus. Yeah. Um, most professionals are earning six figures plus. Um, you know, 150, 180 is not crazy for a professional. And then low ones for a trade is just normal. Most. Mm. So you've got combined income of sort of 300 to 400,000. That's not strange anymore. So there's plenty of serviceability or plenty of room for repayments. Um, you know, and I talk about the restaurant thing. Like most good restaurants, you got to packed, book, yeah. packed. Right? Yeah. Unless you're you, you just walk in. Well, <laughs> or you, or unless you want to eat at nine o'clock at night, mm. you know, or four thirty or something. So people still have money. Um, Can I ask Nick? Sorry to cut you off here. It's an age-old question yes. when anyone's arguing with their parents right now, like yeah. I do. Yeah. When they say the uh, interest rates when mm. I was buying a home, Chanel, mm. were 10 times what you are. And I'm mm. arguing, well, the average salary then and, yeah. you know, this age-old argument. Yeah. So realistically, if I bought a house 30 years ago, mm. am I in a better position now or are my parents in a better position when the um, interest rates were? What were they back then? They were quite high. The what was it? Yeah. It peaked in the 90s. Oh, like 18s, it was, 18s, I think, is what 20s, I hear. Yeah. And... Um, but they're saying now with the average salary being higher, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Where, you know what I'm saying? So I think it's like, the yeah. price to property value. So the inc- the average mm. income to the property value. So but back then it was like a three multiple. Yeah. So now it's yeah. a lot higher. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you look at the dual income, if it's $400,000, the average property price is what, seven fifty eight hundred. Yeah. And correct. And then. The you average know, property is seven fifty eight hundred. dollars Where? The it's a medium in Melbourne, I believe. Well, if you look really? at the mortgage belt, which is sort of the outskirts of Melbourne, um, I'm just thinking about house and land packages, whereas a lot of home, mm. where first homeowners go now, six, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand, you yeah. know. So, um, but to answer your point, uh, your question, I think, um, and you're right. Like it's like some people are paying fifty percent of their salary into their mortgage, mm. but the issue at the moment is it's not, and it's been the, the issue for a while. It's not so much serviceability; it's getting the capital for a deposit. Mm. So most people can service a debt. It's okay if I want to spend eight hundred thousand. I really need ten percent or up to a hundred thousand dollars deposit. Now, yeah. 
people can pay debts really easy, but saving is difficult, you know, for obvious reasons because there's not a payment you have to make. So we find the issue being capital and saving the deposit. Yeah. Uh, not so much the um, not so much the serviceability of the debt. But you see a lot of change in the marketplace where parents providing guarantees yep. and yep. there's certain groups, even governments giving deposit yep. um yep. You know, yep. schemes, first home buyer schemes, schemes yeah. Look, and the first homeowner stuff helps, but it's not a game changer. Um, yeah, it keeps changing as well. Yeah, and the issue if you want to do that, you generally have to buy brand new. So you're doing mm. house and land. Not everyone wants to do that. Uh, the guarantor option is fantastic. Not only does it get people into properties quicker, uh, but it eliminates in most cases mortgage insurance, mm. um, which is around three percent of the loan amount. So someone's borrowing eight hundred thousand. That's twenty four thousand dollars saving. So mm. once you show someone's parents that they can save them twenty four thousand by going guarantor, they generally all say yes. You know, but they take. Take on the risk as well. They do, but it's, it's a lot better than it used to be. Mm. Um, so now it's a limited guarantee. Yep. So it's actually documented. You would know this, that it's only 20%. Um, whereas before it used, there was no the black amount. and white. It was all in together. So, and most parents want to help, but they might not have that 100,000 in cash or in capital or liquid funds. Um, mm. So the minute they find out they can do the guarantor option, most parents are pretty happy to do it. Not European parents tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> education everything else is on your own now well most european kids get given a property in a good suburb anyway so they do. So. Did, you did you get your first property by your parents i did oh you um, did I got the deposit oh. um, and i got my first car too um can i divert go yep. somewhere else for a second um yep. you also have a financial planning practice yep um and risk insurance and the yep. reason i want to bring up risk insurance we work with a lot of real estate agencies in setting yep. up their partnership agreements and shareholders mm. agreements mm. and we always raise a buy sell arrangement whereby mm. if one person dies or becomes mm. disabled you should mm. have an insurance policy to yep. come in and pay so mm. you're not you can pay out the state effectively yeah you can assist with this and i know you, we, you and i have spoken yeah off camera about this but yeah we do a lot of this stuff not not just with agents with any businesses um but one of the common things and you would know this yeah. people go to a solicitor and get a buy sell agreement which stipulates you know if someone passes away or has a tpd incident that a certain amount of money will pass to the other director or the other shareholders and a dependent will get that revenue or that um share sale but people don't get the insurance to actually pay for it. So, Or the insurance costs too much. That's what I find a lot where yeah. they go get a quote for $60,000, $80,000 per annum to cover yeah. it. And the coverage yeah. is so broad that it can be reduced potentially, I find. Yeah, correct. And it shouldn't, um, you know, if you're, if you're looking at a 40-year-old agent, uh, male or female, you should be able to get a million bucks of cover, like life and TPD, for a couple of thousand bucks a year, really. Some now, of the quotes I've seen. Yeah, correct. Because most uh, insurance providers or, or advisors will go the ultimate, you know, level premiums, and I won't go into insurance too much, but will load the premiums up with every bell and whistle, which may or may not be needed. Um, the other thing to think about is if you've got that cover attached to your buy sell, which is an absolute must, because if it's a $10 million business and if one agent passes away, the other one agrees to pay $5 million, well, what agent has $5 million in mm. liquid funds ready it's to go? Even, even if they refinance it, if one of the partners passes away, the mm. business may not be worth $10 million, but the sales may not still be at the same levels. Yeah. And then you're buying something for an yep. agreed value where you're yep. funding it and you're going to go yep. backwards really quickly. And quite often they don't have the money. And, mm. and who gets impacted? 
it's the dependent of the person that's passed away that gets impacted because as a business owner, you think all your wealth is generally tied up in your business. Mm. Now you need to make sure that that wealth can be realized for your family if something happens to you and quite often it can't. They go back to the shareholder agreement. Okay, well, it's $2 million and that passes to the partner. Where does the $2 million come from? You know, and it's, it's generally not available. So um, we're big on, if you get your buy-sell agreement, at least have a look at the insurance. Um, and the other go hand in hand without insurance you shouldn't have a buy sell agreement it's pointless right Um, the other one um, that should go with the buy sell is the key man insurance so um, and again it's not that expensive so you take a can you give a brief description of what a key man insurance is because some people may not have it or understand it yeah so hypothetically the the key income rider which in I'm just thinking about normal real estate businesses you've probably got two or three directors generating 80% of the revenue with people around them, so supporting them. If you take a $1 million GCI agent out of that business, there's a million dollars gone. Mm. Now, um, you can replace that, but it will take a long time. So hypothetically, if that agent um, is sick and it might be something they're gonna recover from, uh, but they're out of the business for 12 months, um, if they were to pass away, or if they had a TPD incident where they were another coming back to work, key man will give that business an agreed amount of income to compensate for that individual not being in the business. For how long? Um, it's a lump sum. Okay. So what what we do is go, it's what I really enjoy, we go into businesses, have a look at their profit and loss, yeah. um, have a look at where the income is coming from yeah. and work out, okay, hypothetically, if you lost that individual and you lost a million dollars in GCI, what does that do for the business? Do you need a million or do you need 1.5? And then it's a matter of balancing that up with premiums and making sure it's affordable. Um, I just for what's the lump sum second, though? I just think everyone should have a look at this. Yeah. If you're yeah. a business owner, is it, you should consider. Is it, it a lump sum of what their annual average OTE would be? Well, it like, could is be, that what it, it is? could be uh, basically yes. Yeah. But it could be we could walk in and they could say, okay, well, if we lose agent A, that's a million dollars in gross revenue you're going to lose. Mm. But thirty percent of that would have went on costs. So now we're down to seven hundred that we need to replace. And I think agent B and C can replace 200 of it. So we probably only need 500,000 because that individual's not in the office. Um, But the other thing is quite often that individual's used to earning a certain amount of money. And if they're a director, they would assume the business will take care of them. Where does that money come from to take care of them if there's no commission coming in? This is interesting. Is this Mm. just a real estate offices or can anyone? Any business. Any business. But we find real estate agents or any service business is most at risk because a lot of the times you've got the principals that generate most of the revenue. Um, They might have people underneath them or working with them, but the principal generally brings it in. I didn't even know this was a service offering. That's so interesting. So you need key management. I I think even for your business, you should have a chat to me because it's very important. I feel like Mm. so many, especially real estate agents, don't have key management. They don't don't realise it. And I thought- I mean, it sounds too good to be true. I didn't even know this was an option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, It's a it's a bad thing, so hopefully it never happens to people. No, but it's, um, and it's happened, it unfortunately. Happens sure a lot, have, yeah. Um, yeah. And it, the business can suffer so badly yeah. without it or, mm. and I've seen with people with key management, and mm. they're fine. And I think the other issue is people when you, uh, whether it's buy, sell or key man, it actually impacts what you're doing individually. So people might have cover uh, personally, so they might have $2 million in cover personally. Um, if you actually have your buy, sell agreement in place and the insurance um, to back it up can actually reduce the cost of your insurance personally mm. because you know that okay two million three million mm. is coming from there that means i don't need to pay for two million three million personally 
So it's about taking a holistic view of what you have and creating the awareness. And, and most people have it maybe in their super, yep. but they've never looked at it. Yeah. Mm, and as yeah. a business owner, yep. I think it's important. What about the financial planning side, Nick? Yep. If I was, say, a young professional that, say, has a yep. mortgage and then yep. has a couple of hundred thousand dollars sort of floating around, yep. what do I do? I come to you. What, what advice yeah. would you give to yeah. someone in this um, market? You're trying to free advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was hypothetical. Okay? <laughs> hypothetical. It's actually my, my friend. Yeah, yeah. My friend's auntie. Look, it's, it's hard to give exact advice, but I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because it's something we're passionate about because we work with so many real estate agents. And we see so many agents making amazing money at a young age, Yeah. Uh, particularly the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, or drive nice cars or go to good restaurants. You don't need... How much of that is on the credit card, though? The nice yeah. car and then yeah. <laughs> the nice restaurants. I'm just kidding. I love, no, no, but love you, our agents. But, but you're right. But it's not crazy, and you would know this better than I would, but to see a mid-20-year-old real estate agent earning 400000 the last two years, yeah. that's not crazy. Yeah. So you know, what are you doing long-term to protect that income? Mm. Um, a lot of them might not have been through a down cycle, which you know some of them might be experiencing that now. now yeah. for the first it's not time. as good as it was 18 months ago. So... Yeah. What have you done? Like financial planning is about planning. So you're earning this money, put some away. How much can you afford to put away for the long term? How much can you afford to put away for that bad year that is going to come? It might not be a bad year, but it'll be a down year. Um, or if something happens to you. Or if something happens to you. But you advise, sorry, I should let you continue. But yeah. you're advising them on stocks or in the share market or is it more sort of property related? Everything. Like where is it? Everything. Okay. Everything depending on what their goals and objectives are. So yeah. it could be an investment strategy for property. Um, they want a more liquid investment. It could be stocks. Um, it could be super. You know, how to make sure you're minimising your tax debt um, through super. Um, we've got a lot of agents that are buying into um, into into businesses. Yeah. Uh, so we do a lot of that work, okay. getting them the funds for that. Um, you know, helping them out with distributions when they come. What to do with distributions and. That sort of stuff. Can what I you plug th- your... Before you finish, sorry, sorry, mm. I'm just really curious yeah. for my friend. <laughs> yeah. Would you advise right now in this market, would you advise to put extra additional income or if you've got, yeah. say, another lump sum of money, would you advise sort of more into the share market or the property market right yeah. now or do you not really give a biased approach? It's more just advisory. Um, no, we do give that advice, but it all comes back to it's never about predicting, uh, predicting markets. So what you'll find is... Whatever the objective of the individual is, that will determine where the money goes. But we have some people that come to us and say, we only want to do property. Okay, well, let's get um, a property strategy, looking at cash flows, income, Mm. um, tax advantages, all that sort of stuff. Um, But if someone wants a more liquid investment and, you know, doesn't want to take debt on, they only want to do a $200 a week um, investment, then it's shares. So both asset classes are great and we don't, um, predict that any are going to outperform any others. It's more about well, what do you what do you want and what does your next two to ten years look like and which asset class is going to yeah okay is going to fit in with your objectives. Interesting. Mm. Might be a good chance to plug your mm. um, podcast as well. Yes, uh, I know. Yeah. I need to listen. To I this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell my friend uh, to listen yeah, to this yeah. podcast. You know? uh, the numbers game. Hundred yes. episodes in. Yeah, hundred episodes in. Two yeah. amazing co-hosts as yeah. well. Yeah, so Jason Robinson from um, Future, Future Advisory, who are an accounting business, and business partner of mine, Marty Vitikovic. So we Marty's s- great. He's great. He yeah, great. he's the funny uncle. Uh, he used to be a comedian. That's why he's so good. Oh, not I didn't know, know that. People know that. Done, done I can see it now. Comedy <laughs> yeah. day. Um, so it's kind of evolved. We started. So I come in from a financial planning point of view, um, Jace from an accounting point of view, uh, Marty from a finance point of view, and the jokes. Um, 
it started as a more consumer based around financial planning and, and basic things to set yourself up, but it's kind of evolved into small business. Um, mm. So we, we see it as a venting session. So we come in and look at all the challenges that we've got in small business. You know, we've all grown businesses from, from nothing to where they are now. So we have constant issues every day, good stories and bad. So we really just get together and talk about that. So we've got a massive um, SME following um, and a lot of consumers as well. We still talk about the investment side great. and whatnot. It's a but, great um, podcast. What was it yeah. called again? The, the Numbers, Numbers game. game. The Numbers Game. Great yeah. name. Nick, thank you so much for no coming worries. down. We'll put your um, links on the show as well. Cool. Um, I can't stress enough that um, real estate should contact Nick or someone equivalent to Nick to talk about key management insurance and mm. look at your portfolio in mm. terms of your risk assessment mm. and mm. also working how important it is to work with a mortgage broker if you're mm. a real estate agency. Yeah, and the holistic solution to your finance. Um, and we've got so much um, good content that we can share with agents on how to make it work um, based on our experience. So yeah, look at the solution, not just how can I get my purchase some money. Awesome. Mm. And the numbers go. And the numbers go. And the, numbers and the go. financial planning. Of yes. <laughs> I've given Thank free you. advice today. I, think. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get an invoice later on this afternoon. Thank you so much, no Nick. Worries. Um, Thanks for such me. a pleasure having you on. And we'll see you on the next episode of Real Estate Renovators. Thanks.